You know, God is always good to those who follow him. That's right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are going through the Bible. You know, this is exciting. It's a wonderful time because Psalm 103 is something we're going to teach from today. And it is a fascinating psalm. It's beautiful. Now, Corey and Ryan are here as well. In 20 minutes, they're going to bring their pieces up. But what are you doing? So I'm going to be taking a look at the royal burials of David's descendants. Ryan? Well, as part of our ongoing series on creation, today I'm looking at how the sun, moon, and stars are fulfilling their God-given purposes. Very good. You know, the royal burials of the kings, that is absolutely fascinating. A lot of work being done on that today, and they found a lot of stuff. So I look forward to that. What'd you do? Count your blessings is the name of my segment. All right. So get ready. Open up your Bible. Let's listen to what God said to us. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 14. This is interesting. I mean, we talk about Psalm 101, Psalm 102, Psalm 103, and Psalm 104. Now, this is great. Now, remember, we bless the Lord by living for him. Of course, that's obvious. But to bless God is to also praise his name in thought and action. And that's a little more difficult. Uh, when we do, God is blessed because of our lives, that they're working for him. The Lord's way in our life is committed to truth. Now, Satan is the father of lies. Of course, we know that. So he loves deceit in any form and he relishes in lies and deceit. But to please God is not always easy because the Lord calls each of us to become different than what we tend to gravitate towards. While we work to 
preserve ourselves, we tend to lie about ourselves because we fear. Fear is a, an amazing motivator, isn't it? The Lord tells us to remember to please others as well. Our work is not only for ourselves, but for our friends and others around us. That does not mean we become people pleasers. No, 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 no. Or endorse sin. No, we don't endorse sin. But we do look at ourselves and others differently. This is another reason to read and pray and meditate on the Psalms. They are not feel-good songs, but they are be-good prayers. And that's really important to remember because there's feelings and then there's what we truly are. And that's what we need to focus on. Now, take your Bible guide. If you don't have one, we'll send you one. You can write to us or call us. Or another way to do this is go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. And let me say thank you so much for your donations. They keep us alive. Man, I'll tell you, we had a, a just a really good response last month. So thank you for that. And we need to continue. So God is helping us and we need to make sure that we do what God says. And we don't tell you the amount because we trust the Holy Spirit's work in you. And we will live according to the Holy Spirit. But this is an interesting time because if you turn your Bible guide to today's page, and you can go to Bible Discovery TV and get it, then we'll learn about bless the Lord. Now, everybody says that, you know, God bless you, God bless this, God bless that. But what does this mean? And, and how does God bless something that's not doing what's right? It's a really good question. Father, I pray today that you would help us to understand what this scripture means from your word. Touch us and teach us and help us today, Lord. And we pray, Father, as we go into the Bible, that we wouldn't read to the Bible, but the Bible would change our hearts. Help us to do that today. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we all said together, amen. Now, listen carefully as we go further into the scripture, because this is interesting. The Psalms is an amazing piece of music, 150 pieces of music, but it's Really interesting to read the words in Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5 say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, I find that fascinating because everybody's saying, God bless this and God bless that, but this says, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Don't live your life forgetting them. Who forgives all of your iniquities. That's the biggest one. Who heals your diseases. That's huge. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and, <laughs> and tender mercies. I'm telling you, we don't deserve it, but he does it. Verse 5 says, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now that's amazing. Remember, God is good to those who follow him. Those who follow God is good to those who follow him. He helps and heals them. We should remember why we serve our Lord. And uh, if you are a Christian, you're somebody who, it, it, the word describes somebody who follows Christ. And if you're a Christian, then you follow the Lord and you're trying very hard and God is helping you and the Holy Spirit in your life is moving. Isn't it amazing? It is wonderful. I can tell you from the personal experience, I've been a Christian for 46 years and uh, I've 
I've done a number of things wrong, but God's never done anything wrong. So it's really interesting. All right, now let's go on to verse six and seven. It says the Lord executes righteousness, rightness with God. That's what the Lord executes and justice for all who are oppressed. God is paying attention to them. He made known his way to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. I find this fascinating. God has given us his set of rituals to change our world. His set, we have our own. But God has given us his set of rituals to change our world. We must change our life. If we want to change our world, we must follow Jesus Christ. Again, I want to talk to the Christians, those who say that you're Christians. Then your life is changing. That's right. Our lives are changing, praise God. Not always easy, but God will help us change. How we live, how we talk, how we walk, and who we, how we treat people. That's what God does. It's very important. I, I, you know, remember this, that other people treat others well. And if they don't know the Lord, why do they do that? Because they believe in a sense of, you know, what goes around, comes around and all that. But if we trust the Lord, we believe that it is God specifically who will judge at the end. So we know exactly what's going to happen. And the Lord is the one who brings it back. And let me tell you, God gives mercy to us so we can not have to worry about the second seat of God judgment. We only worry about the first one, which is what did you do with what I gave you? The Lord says, very interesting. Long story. Next verse eight, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For he has, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Now, now listen carefully to verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, how far is that? Well, it's, it's like infinite. How as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He takes notice of us, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are but dust. Now, this is fascinating. God has given us the opportunity to come to him through Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, our Elohim, our Lord, he would, we would do well to follow God's commands and take Jesus Christ as our Lord. The Psalms is obvious here. And if you want to follow Jesus Christ and you never have before, let me encourage you to talk to him right now. You can talk to the Lord, closing your eyes and focusing on him and saying, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Continue to pray and say, I believe you died on the cross and you rose again. Continue to pray and say, Lord, I believe that in fact, you are the Lord of my life and paid the cost of sin and can forgive me. In Jesus' wonderful name, I need you now. And we said together, amen.
today you and I are going to take some time to look at the, the mystery of the burials of David's descendants, specifically the royal ones. So basically this just means all of the kings of the kingdom of Judah. So they were all sons and grandsons of King David. Uh, and the Bible gives ver a very specific death formula for these kings. Uh, but it, that death formula changes abruptly near, uh, closer to the end of the destruction of Judah as a kingdom. And it leaves us with a lot of questions. Take a look. The royal tombs and burials of ancient Judah present us with several mysteries. First, there's the mystery presented by the death formulas of the kings of Jerusalem. For almost all the kings, the Bible says that they died and were buried in the city of David. Burial within the city's limits seems to have been exclusively reserved for Jerusalem's royals. All the 12 kings from David to Ahaz use this similar death formula or saying and are said to have been buried in the city of David, with only five of these kings being buried in their own tombs rather than in the proper tombs of the kings, and for various reasons. This all changes with Ahaz's son, the reformer King Hezekiah. He's the first king whose death formula just says that he died. It reads quite simply, Hezekiah rested with his ancestors. Second Chronicles adds that Hezekiah was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are. So not in the tombs of the kings within the city of David, but rather in a royal family cemetery nearby. Kings Manasseh and Ammon are then said to have been buried in their palace garden, the Garden of Uzzah. The next king, Josiah, is likewise said to have been buried in Jerusalem, not the smaller Acropolis of the city of David and in his own tomb. The last four kings of Jerusalem all died and were buried in various exiles. So, this leaves us with questions that researchers debate. Where exactly were the proper tombs of the kings? Where and what is the Garden of Uzzah? And why was there a shift away from burial in the tombs of the kings and into a palace garden and personal tombs? Some believe that the ministry of the prophet Ezekiel initiated the switch. In Ezekiel 43, God indicts Jerusalem for burying her kings so close to the temple and for accompanying their deaths with offerings. In this view, kings from Hezekiah onward were buried farther away from the temple to curry God's favor once again. There's also an interesting cultural association with kings and gardens. Garden tombs located in palace complexes were kingly places of burial in the cultures surrounding Judah. So perhaps King Manasseh's association with Assyria led him to choose a garden burial. These answers have led us to our next mystery. What were the unacceptable royal funeral offerings mentioned by Ezekiel? We know from King Asa's reign and from a mention in the book of Jeremiah that it was customary to have a large fire in honor of a dead king. Archaeologically, there are no known remains of a king's burial in or around Jerusalem. However, from more common graves, it's known that many funeral offerings and perhaps even yearly offerings were given to or on behalf of the dead. These were practical offerings like food, wine, and spices. Perhaps these were also offered for the kings in larger, grander quantities, and at least the prophet Ezekiel did not approve. 
Now, this concept of Hezekiah potentially moving the planned place of his burial based off of a prophecy of Ezekiel seems very in line with how Hezekiah ran Judah when he was the king of Judah. He, uh, you know, is quite famous for listening to the various prophets of God, specifically, of course, and mainly the prophet Isaiah, who he worked, you know, hand in hand with in, in running the kingdom of Judah. I think it's really interesting, too, that, you know, given King Manasseh's association with the nation of Assyria, uh, even though he, he came back to God later on in his reign, he was still trained in Assyria for a time, lived in Assyria, was an Assyrian vassal, that he is said to have been buried in his garden, the Garden of Uzzah. That's very interesting in light of Assyrian kingly burial practices uh, being, uh, you know, kings being, dead kings being envisioned as these great trees and being buried in gardens. So it's all very, very interesting. It, it, you know, it is when you read through the Bible, and I've been doing that again, um, as we get ready for everything happening and all of that yeah. for next year, uh, it, where they're buried is important because mm -hmm. you can see that some kings are buried in, in, where the kings are yeah, and some are not. Yep, it's and, and it's interesting how it follows a pattern right until the time period of Ezekiel exactly. and Hezekiah, and then it switches. Uh, so it is interesting. I mean, that's absolutely remarkable, and uh, it, it's really something. Okay, Ryan, you're up. Go. All right. Well, today, in continuation of our creation series through the Psalms, we're going to check out how the sun, moon, and stars are still fulfilling their God-given roles, and one of those roles is as timekeepers. And you may notice as you read the Bible that there are a lot of references to the new moon. And it's terms like these that remind us that the calendar the ancient Israelites used was a lunar calendar. And they still actually use it in Israel to this day. Now, we in the West use a solar or sun-based calendar. And if you're observant enough, you can even learn to tell time using the stars. So we're going to see how all three of these celestial timepieces work. We'll start with the moon cycles and phases so we can understand exactly what a new moon looks like astronomically. Check it out. Our moon is more than just a shimmering light in the night sky. It also serves as a timekeeper. For example, the moon takes 29 and a half days to orbit the Earth, which is the basis for our month. In fact, the word month is even derived from the word moon. During its orbit around Earth, the moon goes through four main lunar phases. Each phase is visible for about one week, and the moon's appearance differs from phase to phase. The different appearances are a result of the position of the moon's orbit in relation to where the sun and the Earth are. The moon's first phase is called new moon, though we cannot actually see it at this point. That's because positionally the moon is between the sun and the Earth, which means we're viewing the dark side of the moon against the equally dark night sky. Nevertheless, by the following week, the moon is into its second phase called first quarter moon or half moon. By week three, it's in its third and brightest phase called full moon. This is when the moon is on the side of the Earth opposite the sun, and it's during this phase that a lunar eclipse can occur. By the fourth week, the moon comes into its final phase called last quarter or third quarter moon, and it has the same half moon appearance as it did in phase two. The moon then returns back to its first phase to start anew. The orbit of the moon is like clockwork. It's never late and never early. This powerful timepiece is not only the basis for the month, but also for the lunar calendar. In addition to the lunar calendar, we also have the solar calendar. 
The solar calendar is based off of the time it takes for the Earth to orbit around the Sun one time. Interestingly, every day for some 200 years now, astronomers in Greenwich have noted the position of the Sun using a special solar telescope. When the Sun passes directly overhead, it is exactly noon Greenwich Mean Time, also known as Universal Time or Zulu Time, and all clocks in the world are synced to this clock. Of course, not only can the Sun and Moon be used to keep time, but so can the stars. Just like the Sun, the stars rise in the east and set in the west. As soon as a star rises, it takes about six hours to reach its highest point, and another six hours to set. Although the stars are consistent, the rotation of the Earth around the Sun changes our perspective of the stars from night to night, which affects the position and rise time of the star. For example, the same star viewed on one night at a certain time would on the next night be shifted slightly to the west and would rise approximately four minutes earlier. Significantly, after one year, the perspective of the stars would be back to their original positions. Truly, the sun, moon, and stars are a testimony to the words of Genesis 1.14, where God establishes them as timekeepers. So as you can see, the sun, moon, and stars are fulfilling well one of their God-given roles as timekeepers. Clearly, these celestial bodies weren't just accidents of nature. They are very specially and specifically set up for our benefit. And this also goes to show that the celestial bodies were meant to serve us rather than us serve them. We need to praise and worship the Creator, not the creation. I think it's interesting because the lunar calendar is somewhat different than the solar calendar. And we need to remember when we talk about when the Jews have uh, go back to the, the original Jews, go back to the lunar calendar and yep. present that, that doesn't mean that it lines up perfectly with the solar calendar because it doesn't. That's right. You often you will have to do conversions if you if you want to get your timing right on some of the things. That's exactly correct. So exactly yeah, you got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, Janet. Today I named my segment "Count Your Blessings." I know some of you are thinking of a hymn that if I have time, I will sing, maybe. Praise for the Lord's mercies is Psalm 103. And the psalmist reminds us, and there are days when we need to remember the blessings of God in our life. Because sometimes there are things that happen in our life that don't feel like God's blessings. And we have to remind ourselves all the time that God is good. And it starts off here, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And if that's not enough, Skip down to 9 and 10. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Thank God. And it goes on, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise the Lord for that. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Praise the Lord. Skip down to 17 and 18. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him 
and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. So many things in this psalm to remind us of the blessing uh, that comes from God to his children who serve and love him. And it's always a good thing to count our blessings. I'm going to pull this out, Rod. I'm going to just pull it out. We don't even know what it. key we're going to be in. It's <laughs> it's always a challenge, but here we go. <laughs> when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. You know what? I'm sure if you start writing them down, you're going to keep thinking about all of the blessings that God has given you. I'm sitting with my blessings right here that go and flow. And I am sitting with you who are such a wonderful blessing to all of our family. Our staff who sit behind the cameras are such a blessing to us. And our youngest son directing in the control room and, and the rest of them that are here with us, you there are so many blessings in our life, so many things to be thankful to God for because God is good and all the time he is good. Remember to count your blessings if you are going through a difficult time in your life, if you have given your life to follow after God, he has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. He is with you as you go through the trials to strengthen and be with you. Be encouraged today. On Facebook and YouTube at 3.30, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we are live to pray for you. It's the prayer meeting, the Bible Discovery TV prayer meeting. We want to encourage you to go there. And uh, when you go there at 3.30 to 4.30, we'll pray for you. And so uh, if you're there, I'll pray for you. Okay, now let's pray right now. Lord, I ask you to have mercy and forgive me. Teach me your way and show me your paths. I understand that's a big thing, Lord but help me, I'm ready to receive.